0: Good morning, one and all. You've heard my director give you the broader uh, historical context for the institution of the elected presidency. And as he said, the task of the survey of IPS is try to get into the minds of the majority of the people and try to figure out what is their understanding of the system and of the institution. So I'm very happy to be here to present to you the results of our survey. I hope you'll find it interesting, not simply because you are surely a participant of the election, but that many of you are concerned about the broader strategic issue of the public understanding of the institution and how it will evolve going forward. And at this point, we are certainly not alone. I just want to remind the audience that on the 17th of October, MP, PAP, MP Alvigno also made remarks in Parliament that perhaps the system should be reviewed, reviewed by parliamentarians and the government. He made three key points. He said that there seemed to be confusion first, on the eligibility criteria of candidates. And he was surprised that a statutory requirement of who should be eligible should cause such a lot of confusion. Does somebody who runs a cooperative qualify? Does somebody who manages $100 million in assets qualify? Secondly, he said that it seemed to him a bit incongruous also that if this were a statutory requirement in terms of eligibility, that it would be judged simply by three people, the three people who sit on the Presidential Election Committee. Third, he said that it seemed a little incongruous that such an important function, that of the elected presidency, should be so misunderstood, so contested, that candidates themselves seem confused about the roles, and that this should be looked at as well. So I hope I've given you enough reasons to pay attention uh, to me for the next 25 minutes as I zip you through the key findings. And I also want to recognize that there are people who've already sent their questions in. And when I finish, we can go through with the Q&A and take your questions. So just a recap of the players of the game. First, Dr Tan Cheng Bok with his logo of the palm tree, standing there with his tagline, Think Singaporeans First. And he managed three 34.85 of the popular bowl, bowl at the end of the contest. Then next to him is Mr Tan Ji with the logo of the heart and he said he wanted to be the heart of the nation and he managed to pull 25.04% of the popular poem. Next, Mr. Tan Kin Lien, who said he wanted to be the voice of the nation with his logo of a speech bubble and a high-five hand, which has been misunderstood as saying, stop speech, but anyway. Uh, he managed to pull of the popular vote. And finally, of course, today's president, Dr. Tony Tan, who, with a pair of glasses, said he could see the future clearly. His tagline, confidence for the future, and he polled 35.2% of the vote. These figures have been put together after the overseas votes were counted. What, sh- what will I do in the next few minutes? Talk about the research background and the objectives of the survey, then take you through the methodology, and then the key findings in four parts. First, the focus on people's understanding of the roles of the EP. Second, on the qualities that voters were looking for. Third, on communication channels that were influential. And finally, their responses on a bunch of questions That focus on the election system and the outcome. And I think generally what we take away at IPS as an institute that tries to understand voter attitudes is this, that citizens in the higher socioeconomic groups tend to be more critical voters. They tend to be far more questioning of the election system, of the institution, and the outcome than the other groups. So let me now take you through our uh, the background of the study. This is POPS 5, which is an in-house term. POPS stands for Perception of Policies in Singapore Survey series, and it seeks to take timely snapshots of stakeholders' responses to changes or events in the policy or political environment. The questions were developed by us at IPS. And then the fieldwork was done by uh, a third-party survey firm, in this case, Degree Census. And what we sought to do was gather a random sample of 2,000 Singaporean citizens of voting age, which is 21 years and above. The objective of POPs 5 was to understand the factors that shape voters' decision-making in what was only the second time. Singaporeans went to vote for their president and were reminded again and again that it is a young institution and a highly complex one. So, what were the burning questions of our survey? First, do voters know the roles of the EP? Second, what were the qualities they were looking for in their candidates? Third, what medium of communication influenced their decision? Finally, how do voters view the election system and its outcome? Very quickly, (coughs) let me just describe the methodology. The fieldwork was conducted um, from the 20th of September to the 5th of October. Numbers were picked out of the residential phone book randomly, and then calls were made by the degree census to these people. A, A sample size of 2,025 people were called, and we got their views. And what you see on the table are the weight factors that we have used in order to shape the sample back to what is to a distribution that is precisely along the lines of what we have in the Singapore population on three variables first on the basis of gender, second on age, and third on race. So how do you read this? Basically, you can see that our sample is very close to the distribution of the census. Uh, but let me take an example where it wasn't. Okay. So if you look under the male category between 40 and 54, you see that that weight number is much smaller than 1, which suggests to you that we had more in this category of male Malays between 40 and 54. So we had to reweight the numbers down. Kay? In the same way, maybe I could pick from the female category, the Malay groups from 21 right up to 65 and above. What it suggests to you is that we got more than we needed, so we reweighted the numbers down. Okay. So what I'm going to show you are the weighted figures and our findings based on them. You have in your handbooks the sample profile that's been weighted, and I'll just quickly take you through uh, the uh, some categories. First, on occupation of our respondents, we've categorized them into three groups. First the working class, which includes people who told us they were in these categories, operators semi-skilled, and unskilled workers. Okay, and 19% of our sample fell in the working group. Second, those who said they were clerical workers or service workers, akin to, say, people who serve in, uh, at the reception desk in hotels or in retail uh, outlets. And 27% of our sample were in the I- intermediate category. And finally, a group that you're more familiar with, if I say PMETs, the PMETs would be put under what we call the service class, or S, and 55% of our sample were in this category. Just some quick highlights of the profile again. Under household income, we have categorized people based on their household income category. And you'll find that uh, um, based on Department of Stats Household Income Trends 2010 paper, the nominal monthly household income of residents is $5,000. Okay? So the line would be here, and you'll see that we've got about 44% of our sample that is below that. So it is a little off, but it's not that far off. Okay? Finally, on education. Distribution of educational level among the resident population: 22% have degrees. So again, in our sample, we have a little more than we need of university degree holders. Okay. Now, on response rate, a total of 18,583 calls were made, uh, and that many were to households with no citizens, and we had 420 outright refusals. We've given you all the data there so that, based on how you understand it, you can work out your non-response rate. Finally, when we actually upload our questionnaire on the website, you will find that we did ask people who they voted for in the general election in May and the presidential election. But we will not be using that informational analysis because of the very high level of non-response rate. Okay. Secondly, that the responses bore no resemblance to the final tallies. And I'll quickly show you what I mean. This is the figure for how people voted in the GE. And this is the figure for how people voted in the PE. So I hope you'll agree with me that there's no point in going further on this route. Now, to the key findings and the first section. In the first section, what we did was to give people a list of 12 statements, six designed to be along the lines of the official interpretation of what the elected president should do, and six that were we outside of that official interpretation. In the analysis, we threw out one of those statements because we felt that was too ambiguous. But our respondents were asked to say, yes or no, does this statement describe the role of the elected president? Our key finding was this, that the understanding of or agreement with the roles of the elected president based on the official interpretation, was limited. Representing Singapore in foreign relations was the most recognized role. So let me show you our evidence for this. As I said, we gave them 12 statements. We knocked one out. And then we looked at what would be the median score. That means out of a range of how people answered, 5 5 getting 5 statements correct right interpreting 5 statements correctly was the median score so we drew a line and i think if you've already added up the percentages you'll know that 42% of our sample managed to identify six or more statements correctly based on the official interpretation of the ep These were people who are likely to be in the service class, middle-middle income group, the highly educated Chinese, people living in private housing. And going forward, all the the, um, categories that I cite here are statistical significance and the high points of the data. Okay. Now, that then meant Since she. if he disagrees with the plan, 79% said yes. To block the appointment of people uh, to to positions in public service if he disagrees, 62% said yes. And finally, not to speak publicly on any national issue unless government advises him to, and 57% of our sample said yes. Okay? Okay. said yes, that's the role. There was, then we followed up with the question, so was it important in shaping your vote? And so what we found that and what we found was that of the 94% that said yes, the EP is meant to represent Singapore in visiting and meeting foreign leaders, 91% of this 94% group would say, yes, it was important in shaping my vote. Okay? So what you have here is 94% of those who said that blocking the results was important, was correct, rule no, said that it was important in shaping their vote. 92% who cited the op- blocking of appointment of people to high positions in public say it was important in shaping their vote. Now, that's the same way to read the next slide, except that the next slide now shows you the statements that are not aligned with the official interpretation of the role of the elected president. Ensure government manages the economy wisely, 80 percent said on national issues he thinks is important? 75% said, yes, they think that's his role. Let me go right down to here. Is he the head of government? 50% said, yes, he is the head of government. On the second question, we find that 96% of those who said his role is to manage the economy wisely said it was important in shaping their vote. And you can read off uh, the chart. You can see that the next most important role was to hold government accountable for what it promised in the GE, which many of you will remember was Tanji Se's line. 94% said yes, his view on multiracialism is Important for me, and you remember that that was punching box line in the campaign. Okay, so let me pull it all together for you in a different way. The top three roles that were cited by our sample, okay, were first to represent Singapore in foreign relations, second to be head of state, but third to ensure that the government manages the economy wisely. And this was likely to be cited by post-secondary respondents. So we looked at all the variables, and this is the one that showed up to be statistically significant, and we reported. The top three rules when we were cited that were considered important in shaping the vote were to ensure the government manages the economy wisely, to hold the government accountable for what it promised in the GE, and to block the government's intention to spend national reserves. And if you've been following me, it's only the third that is aligned to the official interpretation of the role of EP. What we've done is to pull all this information together under what we call the political knowledge indicator. Okay, we use this label. It's not the best label because this is really an indicator of two things, right? Awareness or knowledge and agreement with the role. But we use this term and I hope you'll you'll allow me to proceed with calling it our political knowledge indicator. And the mean score for our whole sample was 5.4. So what we've done is to look at the different segments and see which groups fare better in terms of political knowledge. Okay. Those people who said they were interested in matters relating to Singapore's governing system would score better than those who were not interested. Of st- this is of statistical significance. Not a huge difference, okay. But with thought, we'll tell you. Guys did better. The Chinese did better. The um, well, the oldest did not do as well as the rest. Those who are better educated did better. Those in ho- higher household income middle-middle to upper-middle roots did better. Those in the higher occupational class did better. Those in better housing did better. And with that, I hope you are creating an image in your mind of of a type of person in that category, different categories, who would score better on our political knowledge indicator. Let me move to the second section. We ask people based on a list of 10 qualities, what was important in shaping who you voted for in the election. And we found that honesty, fairness, and ability to represent the country well were the top qualities. What was surprising to us was that the independence of the candidate from political parties and the resonance of the candidate's views on national issues for the respondents were least important okay, so being uh, independent from political party is not important to residents uh, respondents so let me show you the evidence. We ask people okay um, not important at all not important important or very important is is honesty Where do you place honesty in those categories? Then we worked out a mean score on the side, where we scored this as one, two, three, four, five, okay? So you can see honesty, fair person, and ability to represent country well up there. But you'll also see that there's really not much difference in the mean scores. Communication skills up there as well, empathy is up there as well. But really, there's not much variation till you get to the end. And here you have the idea of the candidates' lack of formal ties to political parties. And um, it was for people in the low-income group in the lower educational categories, those in HDB one to three-room flats. It was for them that this idea of neutrality was important. Okay? All right. Some of you are asking, uh, which of the four candidates was really neutral? (laughs) So we asked ourselves the same question. Um, Why did it matter more to this group that independence from political parties would shape their view and less so to others? I'd invite your view, but I think that perhaps the others took a more realistic position about the question of whether candidates would really be able to disassociate themselves from political parties. People of political, from political parties would tend to be politicians who would tend to be more inclined to run for uh, a political post, right? Um, but happy to hear your views later. Let's move on to the third section on communication channels. So we asked our respondents, as we go through this list of 10 communication channels, tell us with each communication channel whether it provided you material that was important in shaping your view of who to vote. What we found was traditional media channels, the newspapers and TV, were tops, but followed on by the internet. Um, and let me show you the figures. So 37% said that newspapers provided very important material to them in shaping their views. 27% said TV. And 26 and you can go ahead and add up, add up the groups that said was important and very important. Okay. Um, mobile phone was right at the bottom, but I think that this is understandable because candidates know it's expensive to use it, and can and people know that it's expensive to spread election messages through it. We asked respondents who said the internet and mobile phone were important to them to name us just top of the mind three websites, blogs, Facebook accounts, Twitter accounts that they referred to. And this is what we found. Okay, 46% would say Facebook. And this was more important to those in the 21 to 29 years old category. 37% said Yahoo website, and this was more important to those in the 30 to 39 age category. In total, 1,353 people said that the internet was internet and the mobile phone were important. And I thought I'd show you this sub- slide, because we t- asked the same question of citizens, in our survey on the GE. And you'll find that in the same way, internet is the third most influential in the GE, much like in the PE. So just to recap, the newspapers and you know TV is still important, but less so for respondents in the following categories. Those in the 21 to 29, 30 to 39 so those in the service class, and those who are new or first-time voters, based on their age, because we do ask people what is their birth year. Okay. And of these groups, the internet was viewed as more important for those who are younger. The, more, the younger you are, the more influential it is. The higher your occupational class, the more influential it is. And among the internet sources, different groups were attracted to the top two sources, different groups, the younger for the Facebook, with the Facebook, and the middle, sort of the 30 to 39ers, with the Yahoo website. Okay. Now, the final section. As I said, the final section comprises a list of statements on the election system the election outcome, a few various issues like whether the Patrick Tan issue mattered to them, and uh, a question about whether interested, people are interested generally in matters relating to Singapore's governing system. So let me take you through a quick glance of all for POPs 5, those in the lower socioeconomic groups and older respondents scored higher. That means they're more likely to feel that both the election system and the outcome are legitimate, that they support it, that it will be good for Singapore's governing system. On our indicator of institutional independence for POPs 5, those in the higher socioeconomic groups younger respondents scored higher. That means they are likely to feel that the system should stand independent of other centers of authority. What we did was to ask people, do you think that political parties should endorse candidates? Do you think that social organizations, unions, should endorse candidates? So what this means is those in the higher socioeconomic class, those who are younger, tended to answer no let me take you through the details very quickly. We asked respondents strongly disagree, disagree, agree, or strongly agree to this statement okay, that the process of certifying who is eligible to contest is necessary. And we scored this as 1 point, 2 points, 3 points, 4 and 5 score there. So 35% of our sample said, yes, it is necessary. Definitely necessary. 55% said, yes, it is necessary. Okay, so you can pull that together and generally get a sense of how many people assented to this idea. Now, we asked our next question. What do you think? Do you think that those who were given the certificate were truly qualified? 18% said, yes, 64 said yes and well 11 said no what about the question of financial competence was it important we'll see the responses here okay. we also had a statement the elected president must be chosen through an election and this statement feeds into our independence indicator okay and you can see how many have agreed that an election should such a post. Um, We we asked people to respond to the statement. Overall, there's no need to change the system. And you can see that at least 29, close to 30%, said, yes, there may be some need to change. 11 sat on the fence and said, we're neutral. Here's the group of questions the other two questions that fed into our independence indicator. Agree or disagree, political parties should not be allowed to endorse candidates in the presidential election. Of course, there's no such rule, but we're asking people this normative question and asking them to respond to it. So you can see that uh, uh, that many, uh, you know, 72, 74 percent said, yeah, we think should stand apart from political parties. A lower lower percentage said, yes, we think that the candidates should stand apart from social organizations, unions, and community groups. Then we asked people whether they thought candidates got fair coverage. You can see the figures there. We asked people if the Patrick Tan issue mattered to them. And 48% said no. Neutral, okay, but it did matter to the 42 percent, and it mattered more to people who were in the post-independence category, the younger, the new voters, young adults, those in the low-income groups, Malays, and the one to three-room flat dwellers. Okay, uh, the outcome agree or disagree that the outcome has strengthened Singapore's governing system. And, the, and you see there that 68% said yes, which begs the question of why so many here. And a rather high neutral response, high percentage of people in the neutral category. Next one, the outcome of the GE shaped my view in the PE. You can see the responses there. And then finally, we thought it would be helpful to Mr. Gerard E. and ask the statement, the elected president should be paid more than the prime minister, which, as you know, is the case because he's primus inter Paris and he sets the benchmark and all the salaries fall uh, from there. But we were really surprised to find that level of disagreement, okay, so that's 56% disagreeing, but also the highest level of neutral responses to this question. Okay. People who were older, who were in the lower socioeconomic groups, tended to disagree okay. – to agree. I beg your pardon. Final question in this section. Agree or disagree that I'm interest- that you're interested in matters related to the Singapore's governing system? And thankfully, we, we don't have a very high – Disagree level there. Okay, so the interest is fairly decent. So now to the two variables that we created based on the responses to some of the questions in this final section. Just to recap political legitimacy is based on the responses to four statements. First, the process of certification gave those I think were truly qualified the chance to contest there's no need to change the system. All candidates got fair coverage, and the outcome will strengthen Singapore's governing system. So out of a possible 20 points, the whole sample achieved a mean score of 14.5%, and I leave you to decide whether that's good enough or not. Here's the breakdown based on uh, segments. Uh, Ladies felt that the system and the outcome Slightly more legitimate than the guys. Um, those who are older would, find it f- would support the system and the outcome more. Those who are in the lower educational class would support the system and the outcome more. Those in the lower household income group support A picture, those in the lower socioeconomic groups would tend to support the system and approve of the outcome better than those on the other end. On the second indicator called institutional independence, just a recap, it is based on responses to our three statements. First, the person who exercises the powers of the EP should be chosen by an election. Second, organizations, unions, community groups should not be allowed to endorse candidates. And out of a possible 15 points, the mean score was 11.8. The males did better. They felt that uh, the office should stand independent of the other centers of power and should be elected. So in the same way, you can read all the slides. The Chinese felt independence was more important than the rest. Uh, Those who were um, older would feel that that's less important. Those who are less educated would feel it is less important. Those who are better educated would feel it was important. Those in the low I- income category would feel that it's less important. Those in the lower occupational groups would tend to be to view it as less important. Those in uh, lower housing categories will feel it's less important. And so the takeaway is that those in the higher socioeconomic groups would feel that this idea of institutional independence is important, different from those in the lower groups, right? How are these three ideas related? Remember, the first on political knowledge based on how they answer the question of roles. Second, institutional independence, that the authority of the EP should stand apart from other centers of authority. And political legitimacy, the view that the election system and the outcome are good for the country. Well, what we found was that those who are more knowledgeable a higher level of independence and are also less likely to view the system and the outcome as generally good for the country. It's not that they don't, but they're less likely to view it when compared to other categories. So let me just pull it all together and conclude. First, I think based on the responses to how many people were able to – discern between the roles what was according to official interpretation and what was not. We would say that a lot more education of the office is needed in order to facilitate a more informed debate of the system, and we should probably do this in time for the next election. Second, however, we found that the more knowledgeable the voter, the more critical he or she would likely to be question whether the election system should remain as it is, they question whether the outcome is the best for Singapore, okay? taking the extreme position. Right? Third, that those in the higher economic groups tend to be these kind of voters. Right? They tend to be far more questioning. It's not that they think that everything is bad, but they question whether we could do it better, whether the outcome is the best that we can have. And finally, that the younger, better educated netizens are less likely to think that all candidates got fair coverage by traditional media, and more likely to rely on social and alternative online media for their consumption of election news, for making that final decision, Uh, at the ballot box, as they did on the 27th of August, 2011. And with that, I end my presentation. I thank you for your patience. I'm happy to hear your comments, your interpretation, and certainly questions about what we've achieved through this survey. Thank you very much.